Hello and welcome to episode 830 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, July 16th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning. Good morning. It's KDS day for me. Ooh, that's a big day. It's mm-hmm. a big day. I've got my... Any... No, I, I, it already ran this morning, so I, oh, I know oh, exactly good. where I'm going to be. I know who's going to be in my first uh, main event league, uh, which is on Monday. So uh, me and my partner... Uh, oh, we, if yours is on Monday, sorry to interrupt you, but that means mine must have already run. Go ahead, continue. If your league is full. Um, so, uh, oh, wow. yeah, I mean, uh, pick seven is where we're going to be picking from. Uh, so I like that. I like kind of being in the middle. Um, and so do my partner. So yeah. we got nine and partner and I, Dusty Wagner on board with that. We got nine and, um, that was actually our second pick. So even though we chose 11th. We got our second pick. Yeah, I think we got our fourth or fifth pick. Very nice. Say. Yeah, or maybe even lower than that. But uh, I'm down for picking in the middle. The question becomes, to Trout or not to Trout? You might be right there mm-hmm. uh, on that cusp. I think at nine, we'd probably have to. It just would seem too good not to take the take that choice. But I don't know. I, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um got plenty to talk about today. we got some news. And then we're going to look at some ADP differences from March. And we're going to talk about one thing, uh, you know, one thing that's being pushed up as a whole and how we both feel about it, and then a handful of players. But let's dive in because we got an action-packed uh, episode, and we're up against a little bit of a time clock. So let's go. Shortly after we potted on Tuesday, we learned that Yasiel Puig finally landed, and he's going to be an Atlanta Brave. How do you feel about this move here with Marquecas going out? This seems like a good fit. Um, if you love Austin Riley, I feel bad for you because that's a, that's a no-go there. I think that that basically tanks his value because it's Acuna, Ozuna, Enciarte, Puig for the three outfield and DH spots, in my opinion. Riley will mix in, but he's definitely not starting at DH anymore the way we had him on the site. Well, it uh, depends on who's going to be the first baseman. Is Frey Freeman going to be ready? Is yeah. do, do they really think do we really think Carmargo plays full-time or even half-time at third base over Yes. You do? Yeah. I I do. Um it seems I think right now we should plan for Freeman to be ready. Everything's tracking well. From the other guys that we've seen, their timelines with COVID. But not all the other people got as sick as Freddie Freeman did. That's fair. Um, if that if first base is open, we currently have Yonder Alonso penciled in there. No, I, don't think I do think happening. Riley could shift into that spot if, if, if um, Freeman does miss time. So that would be an avenue for him. Got to be honest, though. I care a lot less about Austin Riley than I do Yasiel Puig. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Austin Riley is kind of a solid power guy. He's a guy that um, that we've talked about in the past. Big fan of him in the Arizona Fall League. Hit the ground running big time last year and then fell off, you know, um, somewhat, somewhat, uh, maybe maybe more stark with the fall off, but kind of uh, Aquino, mm-hmm. Aristides Aquino style. Aquino had built up such good favor early that that even when he tanked, his numbers were still positive in the end. For Riley, his burst was shorter and his his tank was longer so he wound up with an 86 wrc plus when it was all said and done but he did pop 18 homers and 49 ribbies in 80 games which does leave the easy doubling up which is essentially you know 35 100 
Don't know that he would get there in the full season when he's hitting the way he was in that second part of it with a 36% strikeout rate, 5% walk. He's only 23, though. I don't know. I'm not going to pin everything on 80 games for Riley. Um, Puig first, then I'm going to ask if you're going to be even drafting Riley. Puig, as a, as a Brave, should mix in the outfield and DH. I think Ozuna would be the one you'd want to put at DH mm-hmm. more often yeah. and Puig in the outfield, right? Yeah, I think that's exactly how it'll work. And my guess is Puig bats fourth or fifth, depending on when uh, uh, Freeman is ready. I mean, because Freeman yeah. still hasn't returned to the team yet. So, I mean, it, it seems likely that he probably starts the year on the IL anyways. So, probably bats, what, third or fourth, depending on where they want Ozuna uh, mm-hmm. hitting. I mean, this is just a really good situation for Puig. It's yes. it's a really good lineup. He gets to stay in that beast east and you know hit in some of those really nice ballparks and uh, go up against some you know some good pitchers but some bad pitchers as well. Uh, I think this was like a must do for the Braves and uh, mm-hmm. I think I'm glad that they made the decision. Um, the Marquecas sitting out made it such a great fit mm-hmm. for them. I think. Um, and it really lengthens their lineup because right now they were pretty top heavy. Let's assume, you know, with Freeman back, they were basically kind of four guys and a bunch of question marks. Acuna, Albies, Freeman, Ozuna, and then you're Travis D'Arno, uh, Inciarte, Riley, Swanson, Camargo. I know you love Swanson. Mm-hmm. Um, My boy. <laughs> so, you know, it, there were some questions. And it's crazy sometimes how one guy can really turn things around. And I think he really lengthens the lineup there because they put four, Freeman four or three um, and then Ozuna Puig four five however you want now the top half's really strong if Swanson does pick up where he left off last year before getting hurt that's now all of a sudden you got six go-to guys and then the bottom third of the lineup you're never really expecting that to be the core of your team anyway let's get back to Riley real quick then with this kind of uh, putting some cold water on his outlook but the Freeman Avenue still being there maybe to at least start the season as like the first baseman and still mix in are you drafting Riley in 12 teamers no definitely not uh 15 probably not still Okay. I just so I you're don't want, out on him. Yeah, I'm, I think I was pretty much out on him to begin with, but and this kind of just is a nail in the coffin. I, I especially especially in fifteen teamers, like I, I want guys and twelve teamers. I want guys that are gonna play full time. Like I feel pretty confident about their playing time, or at least have like massive upside. And while Riley does have upside, I don't think it's as massive as maybe other guys going around in the same spot. Because you can find so many guys like that. It it. it and I don't say this to demean him, but it is kind of a generic power output, which can be good. Like the, those kind of guys, you can really thrive with them when they're hitting 250, 240 with 30 homer upside over a full season. But that's not hard to find. So do I want to invite um, playing time issues along with that? Nah, I don't think so. So that's where the Brave situation is right now. Keep a close eye on Freeman to see if he's going to be starting with the club. That will obviously change some things playing time-wise. But once they get going, um, he'll obviously be at first. And then Puig or Ozuna will be at DH. Maybe Okunia gets a day off of his feet. Stuff like that, too. Uh, all right, next bit of news that we have here. Jacob deGrom left his recent start with some back tightness. But the MRI came back negative as far as uh, not showing any sort of issues there. Looks like it's just a little bit of day-to-day back tightness. Anything that has you worried here? No, I mean, this exact same thing happened in 2018. 
it meant he didn't start opening day, but his 2018 was amazing. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I, I don't think there's much to worry about here. Uh, maybe his, you know, start gets pushed back to open the season, and uh, he starts game three instead of game one. But yeah, it should be a minor bummer, but not the end of the world, right? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I'm not going to belabor this and go deep. I just wanted to mention it since he is uh, the top pitcher for many and and no worse than three or four, depending on how you shuffle those top four guys. Uh, Byron Buxton, we talked about his injury. It was a little bit of an unknown status. It is a sprained foot, but he says he's going to be ready for opening day. Now that we know the severity and everything, where do you come out? Because I know we had said, well, this sucks. You know, he gets hurt again. We kind of made fun of Chris Liss, which is easy to do because he's the Buxton guy. And God, he loves Buxton so much. <laughs> are we uh, are we getting back on the Buxton train? Or were you off it before, to be honest? I actually can't remember if you said that you were off it before on Tuesday. I'm kind of ambivalent on Buxton. I mean, he is a guy okay. that you can get for, you know, cheap speed if you miss out on, like, the Trey Turners or Lindors of the world, you know, a little bit later on. But at the same time, I do worry about his injury history and his, you know, cold streak histories. Because yes. if you get either of those, then his season shot. There's not going to be enough time rat. for yeah, him to catch up. So he, you know, it, it's unlikely I take a shot on Buxton, you know, next week in, in my mains or my OC. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not like burying him either. Yeah. I would agree with, with, with all of that. The one thing that really gives me some trepidation though, is, uh, the fact that you can't really, you can't really carve out a realistic scenario where he moves higher than ninth in the lineup. No, he's kind of locked in there. Maybe seventh. If Arias wasn't doing all that much and Buxton was really taking off, he could, he could flip spots. Um, but you'd have to get Kepler like tanking or Polanco tanking to really get Buxton in the top half of the lineup. So while that is a great lineup, you're still drafting a bottom third guy on a team uh, that doesn't run. I mean, they, they exactly. stole because the fewest, Why would they? Yeah, they stole the fewest amount of bases last year. And if you think that is going up, you're wrong. Um, and, and that's a top 10 round pick. Uh, well, just about. He's actually 153, Buxton is. Uh, but as high as 118, as low as 239. And I bet that 239 happened right when the injury came through. So with clarity on, on his health, Buxton is usually a top 10 round guy on a bottom third draft order for a team that doesn't really need to run because they mash so well. Why take that risk? It's tough. I love the talent. I really do. And I do wish him the best. I'd love for him to go off, but I really think that if, and when he ever breaks out, Buxton will not be on my team. I'll be watching it from the sidelines. I just feel that way. The twins stole 28 bases as a team last year. <laughs> well, cause again, why would they? I mean, 14 you know? of them were his. So he stole yeah. half the team's bases last I mean, that's year. That's good that he, he was able to get double digits, but y- you just can't really imagine. It's hard to put Buxton as like one of those double digit guys for this year. Cause that's, that's what we're seeing. You know, someone who could get double digits this year in the 60 game sprint. That's amazing. I'm not sure Buxton can be that guy because also with his health, do they want to take the unnecessary risk with him? It's not even so injury. much about the out, but a foot injury. Exactly. So I agree. I, I think I'm likely staying away unless he falls. If he did fall into that 200 range when he went 239 as his latest pick, I would pick him in, in that range. But where he's likely to go in my estimation, which is in the 120 to 150 range, I, I don't think I don't think it'll be a part of my ball club. 
All right, next up is Julio Rodriguez, excellent prospect for the Mariners, has a hairline fracture in his left wrist. Now, this is a 19-year-old, super, super talented, very unlikely to play this year uh, for a Seattle team that's that's rebuilding, and has he has guys in front of him anyway. We talked about Jared uh, Kelnick a little bit on the last episode, and even he, Kelnick, who's two years older, has a tougher path. Has a tough path to really make the majors. So I really think it's a a pipe dream that Julio Rodriguez would would get up to the majors. He is on the on the sixty man though, so it is worth noting. But he gets this hairline fracture. Would this move him down at all for you in like dynasty? I, I feel like short term no. injuries shouldn't really do anything right no matt thompson made a point the other day that in in this 60 game sprint like throw proximity throw you know things out the window for 2020 it's all about 2021 i think he should be fine you know as long as it's not a hamate bone injury uh uh, and even that isn't guaranteed to set power, as we've been seeing over yeah. the last few guys who got it. So I'm I'm not worried about him. I didn't think he was going to be up this year anyway, so same, I'm not worried about same. it. Just, again, uh, similar in a different way to the DeGrom thing. Just wanted to bring it up, even though we're not really having any action on it. Now, we got a couple bits of interesting Texas news here. Nick Solak's going to be holding down left field in the absence of Willie Calhoun, who does have a grade one hip flexor strain. Uh, he he doesn't expect to be sidelined long, but l- unlikely to be ready for opening day. So that means that Solak will have an opening day job at a position, which he currently is UT only. This is good news. And if he hits the ground running, I'm not saying that Calhoun would be ousted. I'm saying that they would finagle stuff to keep both in the lineup. That is my estimation. I'm a big Solak guy, so I, I'm taking the uh, the rosiest look here to be like, hmm, this could be really good here. If he if he's off to a great start, by the time Calhoun comes back, they're going to adjust something else and maybe oust somebody else from the lineup. How do you feel about Solak getting the opening day uh, left field job, according to Chris Woodward, or likely getting it, I should say. It's not guaranteed, but he, he says, I, I see him getting those at-bats. What's the quote? Uh, I love it. I mean, right now, Rossi Resource has him penciled in in the sixth spot, and that's a pretty good lineup. So. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 kind of excited. I think this is going to be uh, real fun for for Solak, and I think even when he come when uh, Calhoun comes back, there's other areas in which you can get him into the lineup. But him, you know, gaining that outfield eligibility very quickly will will be great for fantasy. I already have him on a number of teams, and he's definitely going to be a target for me if I miss out on Nelson Cruz, and and really if I even I get Cruz, like I'll hold Solak on my bench for a week and, and then let him get, you know, into the lineup after that. Yeah, because he should get, isn't it, four games mm-hmm. in season? And so that first week, he could have it, they, you know. Well, uh, play, he plays. the Not the first half week, which is a bummer. but Well, yeah, that's true. It'd be great if we could get him in for the weekend. Yeah, but, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a nice little season for, for Nick Solak. Same, same. Good hitter. I really like him. Now, sticking with Texas, Looks like Isaiah Kiner-Falefa has the edge for the third base role. I only bring this up because you and I play almost exclusively in two catcher leagues. I know not everybody does, so this isn't necessarily for you one catcher folks. But there's something about non-catching catchers that I really like. It's I think it's a nice advantage that you can get for like a C2. And he's been known to run a little bit. He's not a great player. I'm not, I'm not going to overstate. Uh, what what Kiner Falefa can do, but a regular player, and I don't think he'd be full time because again, 
this is the, I think he'd be the loser if Solak's killing it when Calhoun comes back because I think Solak would start to take some of those third base uh, plate appearances away from Kiner Falefa and get Calhoun back into left. But as it stands right now, he's going to start at third, likely. And how do you feel about somebody who has been known to run a little bit and is a non-catching catcher? Because I like that as as a, a C2 with virtually my last pick. I, I can't imagine people are really going off for Kiner Falefa. He was a pick 336 uh, ADP so far in the in the sprint returns for the Rotowire Online Championship, which is the 23rd round. So it's not quite your last pick, but it's a pretty late pick. Any interest in Kiner Falefa as a non-catching catcher? Well, here's the thing. I think this... You know, and there were some people, including our buddy Vlad uh, Sadler um, from Guru, uh, who was like totally stoked on him, uh, especially in light of this news, because, you know, once he does get catcher eligibility, if he's playing, he has it. I don't believe he does in NFBC. Absolutely. Looking at it right now. Oh, okay. I'm catching catcher, baby. I'm telling you. All right. I I didn't really, I didn't think he already had catching. Uh, yeah, so this relevant. is that that's that's the reason I brought him up. If he didn't have it yet, I probably wouldn't have brought him up. Mm. But Kiner Falefa is already catcher eligible. Wow. And if you're getting somebody who's not going behind the dish very often, he you know, he's gonna spot Torino's a day off here and there, but the bulk of his time is gonna be on the field. <laughs> uh, on the on the dirt. He's uh pick two thirteen is his is his uh min pick. Like so people are people are starting it, to pop on him. He's gonna okay, I, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, here's the question. Would you rather have him or Austin Nola? Well, now, Nola's the guy who doesn't have this catcher But we expect yet, him but to I get it. But I expect him to get it, and, and I love him. I'm going to go Nola because I don't think Nola's price is, is going off either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I would rather have Nola too. Yeah, um, I'd rather wait on Nola because, listen, Kiner Fluff, again, a little bit of speed, has 10 stolen bases in his 618 career plate appearances, so basically a season. But he has a 71 WRC+. plus. I don't want to overstate the value here. It's just that you're, you're looking to do different things at, at the second catcher spot there. And I always like somebody who isn't catching. Like when Gaddis had catcher eligibility, but he was like playing outfield and DH. You love that. Now, he was a different kind of fantasy player. But I think Kiner Falefa could maybe be a, you know, three homer, four stolen base kind of guy for somebody, and that could be interesting. But if he's going in the pit, ahead of pick three hundred, no chance. Yeah, no. and I mean he's gonna wherever he bats, it's gonna be at the bottom. <laughs> so True. Uh, and like I mean, I think he could be a you know three homer, four steal guy uh, in like a larger season. Like I mean I don't he, he's never had. <laughs> Four, or he's only had four home runs once, and that was in 111 games. Uh, I just don't know that he's got the power to make that much of a difference. He'd really have to run to be high impact and get like five steals, yeah. which I know sounds silly, but that would be a, a big impact from a catcher. From a catcher, it would. Um, yeah. If he was two homers, five steals, hitting 265, which I would mean, be his high. Would you rather have him or Kurt Suzuki? Kiner Falefa or Kurt Suzuki? Suzuki. Okay. Uh, Even splitting with Gums, he's just a much better hitter. Suzuki is going pick 321 in in the uh, sprint OCs. Uh, Would you rather have uh, Falefa or Jason Castro? Oh, Castro. Yeah, Castro's going 341. Yeah, so it looks like 
especially if his price rises for Kiner Falefa. It looks like I'm not going to have him. Yeah. But I was I was thinking if he was staying in the 300s, you know, that 213 min could just be an outlier. It could easily just be the one person. But with the new with him being in the news and people seeing that he's third baseman, if he starts inching up toward the high, uh, low 300s, high 200s, I, I can't do it. He hasn't shown enough to be that interested. The 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 interest is that non-catching catcher going very late. If he starts to go medium late, meh. But I just wanted to bring it up. And like I said, I think that that Solak would start to hone in on his plate appearances if Solak's doing very well and Calhoun comes back ready to go. So that I, I want to be clear on that too. But I think it's worth mentioning though because it could be an advantage in a league where Kiner Falefa goes super late, like three ten or later. Rangers do run though. I mean, they they led yes. the majors in in stolen bases last year. Now. Is this Chris Woodward's first year or second year? Was he there last year? I think it's his second, but I could okay, be wrong Okay, so on then that. He, was, he was behind that running then. Yeah, yeah, he managed last year. So there you go. That's a great call. And uh, by the way, I think this is new, but when you go to Baseball Reference, they have managerial tendencies Ooh. on on their pages now. I, I, I never go there this. because I'm a company man. Oh yeah, I hear you. I hear. You. I go to both. I'm not. I'm not going to front. Some things I I can man- maneuver more easily at BRF, but usually if there's something I always go to them for, I mention it to Sean. Like, hey, is there any way we can get this so that I don't have to keep going to BRF? Not that I don't love BRF. I do. I will freely admit that. But Fangraphs number one. All right. So that's the news. Let's talk about from March to July. So I will admit off top that I didn't have a, a perfect one-to-one comparison for ADPs because um, they no longer have the previous Rotowire Online Championships mm-hmm. data. And so I basically compared it to draft champions versus the sprint OCs. That said, I don't know that it's going to differ so much that we can't utilize this data to find some trends here. So I've got one trend as far as a... a uh, group of players, and then six players that I want to get your thoughts on. First and foremost, looking at the biggest movers upward, 16 of the top 17 are closers. Mm -hmm. Can you believe that? Yeah, I can. And the number one was Paxton. He's injury, so that's obvious. He went from 157 to 91. That's just because he's healthy now. So I don't, I don't even think we really need to talk about that. Then it's Hanser Robles, Nick Anderson, Jose LeClerc, Archie Bradley, Alex Colome, Rysel Iglesias, Kenley Jansen, Ken Giles, Taylor Rogers, Brandon Workman, Liam Hendricks, Brad Hand, Craig Kimbrell, Roberto Osuna, Edwin Diaz, and Hector Nariz. All the like mid-tier guys. Mm-hmm. You said you can believe it because we. I think we talked a bit about this, uh, about closers being pushed up recently. With this kind of move up, I'm peeling back, man. I thought I was going to be wanting to get uh, at least one great closer and maybe two, but not at these prices. I think I think I'm I think I'm starting to veer the other way on this. I mean, what are you going to do though? Because I mean, in an overall contest, you have to get saves. And that... I, I can get some though. I'll take Joe Jimenez. Yeah, but I and... think Joe Jimenez is going is going up too. So I don't think that's like yeah, but he doesn't cost anywhere near. I, I won't say anywhere near, but. So I only did, uh, by the way, I, I only did top 150 players for this because I wanted to see like the the top 10 rounds. Jimenez, let's see, he was 221 in March. I mean, that, that, I'm just, I, I generally like to get better closers to not mess with it. I'm not going to punt saves, 
but I'm not paying these premiums. I mean, here's the only issue with that strategy because I don't mind saying, well, I'm I'm not gonna like mess around with that you know that first group or that first two groups uh, because I'm just not willing to pay the prices on that. If two other people in your league feel the same way, someone's gonna pop on Jimenez before you, and then what are you left with? It's you know you're gonna be left with you know guys like Ian Kennedy or that's you know, fine. I mean, if that's what you want to roll with... What's the I, difference between Jimenez and Kennedy, really? Kennedy could lose the role because it's Matheny. Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Like, I like Jimenez because I don't think he's going to lose the role. So I think he's I like a really so either, good but target. The but freaking terrible. The, 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 um, the question is, how early are you willing to pop on him? Because like in the main event... actually, he, in, the, uh, in the sprint OCs. He went 139 in the main event. So yeah, he's not even my guy then. I'm not. I'm going Daniel Hudson. I'm 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 going pieces of bullpens. Okay. I still don't think there's going to be that many set closers. I think there's going to be enough saves. To me, right now, I think for this sprint season, saves are going to be a bit like steals, where there's not going to be that many. So I don't need to overdraft them. Like you don't need as many to compete. So the idea of of pushing them up is a little bit faulty to me. Like I, I'd still take a Josh Hader because he's so good that even when he's not getting saves, he's like a premium pitcher. I think there's a rationale that Hader, I mean, I'm not saying this is my rationale, but I think there is a rationale that says he's a second round pick like that. He can return that. He should return second round value. Um, so like I, I'm, I'm huge on Hader. I don't know if my partner is, but no, I, I, I'm, I, I hear you. What you're saying as far as like how damn good he is. Who was it? Was it Rob, who said that by his rankings, he was like a top 15 pitcher from something that yeah. didn't even include the saves. It was he. He ran the bats projections through his system. There you go. And, and he yeah. was a f- top 15 pitcher, saves not included. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the so yeah, I still the bat take him. Saves. I know that's a big premium. Like I would still take him, but I, I don't. I'm not moving. Like all the guys I named were like the mid tier types, mm-hmm. and and some of whom I'm interested in: Robles, Anderson, Leclerc, Bradley, Calme, Iglesias, Jansen, Giles, Rogers, Workman, Hendricks, Hand, Kimbrel, Asuna, Diaz, Naris. There are guys in there that I do like, um, but now they're all the lowest any of those guys is going is 138. Mm-hmm. And that's LeClerc, who I have no confidence in. Yeah. Because to quote our friend Ian uh, Ian Khan, he's an knucklehead, for one. And I just don't have a lot of confidence in him uh, skills-wise either. He can he can miss bats and everything. But he's that standard, like, Marmolian closer where if it goes sideways completely, nobody – I mean, it, got, it went sideways last year. He had a 433-133 ERA whip combo. So – I don't know, man. I'm not going to leave the draft with no saves. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying punt, but I'm saying I'm not paying these premiums here. Yeah. No, I, I, I get that. And, I mean, for me, I want to get at least one of these you know, guys I feel are pretty locked in, and then I'll play around. Uh, you know, if I feel like I'm getting a price, a good price on my second one who's locked in, perfect. If not, then, yeah, I mean, Mark Melanson, uh, nope. you know, Daniel Hudson, you know, those kind of guys that, especially ones like those two who are on good teams, mm-hmm. but there are some question marks. Like, 
I don't think there's that many question marks for Melanson, especially with Will Smith. You know, I agree with gotten, you. Yeah, I, mean, I think we're. I think we as a fantasy community are placing our own questions. The Braves aren't. No, he's got they the think role. He's, Good to go, and there will be a, a random save here and there for Will Smith when it's like two lefties and a righty or three lefties, but that's his job. I think so. Um, plus, Smith got corona, so that's not even a guarantee that, that he would be, he would uh, take that job. You know, I might get in on the Braves bullpen. Now, I'll ask you on that, though. Uh, not Braves. Uh, we were just talking about them. Sorry, Mets. Um, the tough part about that, though, is there's literally three other guys Oh, besides Diaz with Patances, Lugo, and Familia. So if you were to dip in on the non-Diaz entities, who would you go for? I think Batanzas is the yeah, guy. I, um, I still love him, dude. He's so awesome when he's when he's on. Yeah, I, I think that's regularly smart move. But I also wouldn't mind like dipping in on like Jose Alvarado or Diego Castillo, yep. like in that. Because you I mean, know they're gonna do some. Yeah. yeah, everyone thinks Nick Anderson. I get why we're drunk on his stuff. It's sexy, but just like the St. Louis situation that you and I have talked about repeatedly, uh, they don't quite have four CLs mm-hmm. on roster resource, but they do have three: Nick Anderson, Diego Castillo, and Jose Alvarado. So, and we know that they'll do that. Cal, I think the Cardinals are more likely to find one and land on one and go with him. But I believe that Tampa Bay sees themselves with three CLs. Uh, that they can go to on any given day between Anderson, Castillo, and Alvarado. So I'm going to dip in on bullpens like that. That's just what I'm going to do because um, I don't want to spend all my fab on it because I don't even know how to think about fab right now because we're still getting $1,000. Just all of it. Just throw it all. You find the player you want and just go all in because that's what other people are going to do. So it's... And, and I'll let them do that. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to overpay <laughs> there. And, you know, so look, if I can't get Hater or maybe, you know, one of the other – tip top guys then i'm probably avoiding the middle tiers and and starting to fish i don't like that but i'm i'm gonna take these hitters that are falling uh and some of these starters well not even necessarily starters that are falling but the hitters i'm gonna are. fade this i'm gonna fade this jump and you talked about it on tuesday how the hitters were falling mm-hmm. that was what you keyed in on from those first two mains and uh, we're going to get a bunch more. I mean, my main's on Sunday, so I don't have much more time to see. I think you said the next one's Saturday? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think the 18th. So I'm only going to get one more draft of data, which is fine. We know we're going in blind anyway. I don't need to be influenced by everything. You need This is something that you need to pay attention to because you need to be aware of what other people are doing. That doesn't mean that you have to adhere to the ADP. Mm-hmm. But that's where we are on saves right now. Uh, so what what is your strategy most likely? To jump in on these guys? I mean... Uh, in in the drafts that I'm doing by myself, uh, I yeah I'm you know I'm gonna go and get myself at least one if not two of these guys in like the fifth six rounds, um, you know and and maybe it's you know Hater in the second or third and then you know another guy in the sixth or something like that, uh, you know in the one with my partner, you know we're still figuring out our strategy and. Yeah. I don't know how he. I think he's feeling probably a little bit more like you, and so we may end up, you know, um, deciding to you know play in kind of the lesser pool. But I do like the idea of leaving a draft with at least one locked in closer, if not two, especially in the short sprint. No, I, I understand that that desire and that desire is being shared by a lot of folks. I just I'm going to see where these prices are first before I, I say definitively that I'm going to do that. All right, next big jump here that I want to talk about, Kenta Maeda, our guy, 
plus 24 up to 144. Is that a price you're still willing to pay? Yes, it is. Me too. Uh, Me too. And I just want to be clear that uh, despite the jump, you and I are – I figured you would say that, and I wanted to be clear uh, to the folks that you may have thought, hey, and are you guys going to move off because he's moving up? I'm staying firm, and I know I figured you would be too. And he 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 went an average of 129 in those first two main events. So uh, I'm okay with yeah, that. I I, I, I could pay that. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, then we can move on quickly because we've discussed him at length. I just wanted to bring that up. Julio Urias is up 22 spots as well to 121 in the uh, OC sprints. I forget where he went in the mains. 111. But, uh, people love him. That's one I might be backing off on a little bit more. I love the talent, and I do believe that the Dodgers are going to use him as a starter. They're not going to go back and forth on the bullpen anymore. They said that. He, starter time. That doesn't mean reins are fully off, though. That just means starting. If anything, they could screw with us to where he starts three innings and then Dustin May comes in for three innings. Yeah. Or Tony Gonsolin. Or Bruce Dargradrall. So I am a little nervous about Especially oh, yes. with how good Alex Wood looks right now, I don't know if you saw him. You know the the video from him pitching yesterday, but I didn't. I just heard. I just heard that he had been pitching. That he pitched well. Yeah, he he looks pretty nasty now. Who knows what they're willing to do with him in terms of his innings either? Because well, I mean Kershaw, Bueller, Wood, Stripling, Urias can be the five, but then you have Gonsolin, May. For sure, and, and likely Gratterall, who can go multiple innings in between. And I think, obviously, Urias, Wood, and Stripling would be the guys who are susceptible to having their, you know, being, being cut short to four or five innings and then allowing those other guys to come in for multiple innings. I just wonder if they're, if they're going to continue to kind of coddle Urias. Not that he needs it, but they think he does. Yeah. I, yeah, I think there is reason to be a little bit cautious on this price especially at, at 111 in the mains and 120 in the in the ocs that's tough man i really i really like the kid but i don't know in a 60 gamer if i can uh, and trusting the dodgers man nick calls it dodgeritis because they are not afraid to do um i mean it's Tampa ahead. Bay ray type things it's ahead of maeda it's ahead of zach gallon yeah, uh, come on yeah, it's ahead of Matt Boyd. It's ahead of Kyle Hendricks. I don't think I can do that. Yep, I, and so I, I don't think I'm going to end up with Arias outside of the shares that I already procured before this. A guy we briefly mentioned on Tuesday, I just wanted to point out, going the other way now, biggest falls, Charlie Blackman down 29 spots to 70. Now, that was obviously coronavirus-related, but now it looks like he's going to be back probably even for opening day and I, I assume as that news floats around that, that he's going to move back up, where do you think he might land and how interested are you? Ooh, um, let's see. I'll tell you, he was 69 in the mains, which is pretty nice. <laughs> uh, I mean, 69 puts him right around <laughs> Stanton. Interesting. Um, yeah, smack dab in between Castellanos and Stanton. I think uh, I want. Outfielders. I think I'd still want Castellanos. I would too. But I do think that that's the right area. So if he stays there, you're you're on board to get Blackman. Yeah, I think I am. Um, what if he moves up to? Well, if he moves up at all, would you be out? I think I'm probably out because then he's moving up in front of Victor Robles. He's moving, yep. you know, who reported today. He's moving up in front of, 
you know, Eloy Jimenez, who I love. Yeah, I'm probably out. Springer at 54. Mm -hmm. I think I would take Springer just because, you know, I I think he's more trustworthy right now with, uh, I think he's, is he a year younger too? I, I don't, I wouldn't make too much over a year, I guess. Springer, this is probably just a me thing. He feels young, but he's not really. This is age 30 season. He's been around for a while now. Well, he's a college guy too. Yeah, exactly. So he came into the league a little bit older than I think maybe people remember. So there is a three-year spread between those two, though, between Springer and Blackman. So three years, didn't have Corona, also on a great team. I'm taking Springer over Blackman. Um, I agree with you, though. I think if if Blackman holds in this in this late 60s range, I can jump on it. But if he moves up. It not you mentioned the outfielders, but that would also put him ahead of like Matt Olson, uh, Nelson Cruz, and we know we're not doing that sort of stuff. But Xander Bogarts at fifty four, I'm not doing because I don't think black I, I don't think Blackman runs anymore uh, yeah. to to a high degree. Like he's going to throw a couple chip ins this year. He was two for seven last year. I can see him throwing three or four this year, but. Eh. It could I've, be it could be another one. It could be one or two. Maybe he just doesn't want to run it all at age thirty three and save his body. I think I'm still taking Blackman over Springer, um, just because the batting average I think is much safer. That's true. That part, the batting average part, is true. But I don't know. That'd be a tough one. I'd a- I would agonize on that. And yeah, you know, again, I'll be drafting with a partner as well, Dusty, and so I'd have to get his input and kind of see where he would be with with those two. Anyway, honestly, I'd probably say skip both and go to Loriano. Or Robles, who are the next two down. Uh, well, Robert is too, but Robert's being so overdrafted, it's not even funny. Yeah, or and or no just or just yeah, skip that position for that round and then target a guy we'll talk about a little bit later. Yep, yep, I hear you on that. Uh, all right, Eduardo Escobar down 23 spots to 137. You hinted at a general reason on some of these guys moving down uh, of, of just hitters being pushed down. Do you think Escobar is a casualty of that, that it's not necessarily something against him, that it's more of like, he's one of the guys who loses out in the shuffle because so much, uh, pitching is being pushed up. I do. I also think that there is some belief that he's going to have, you know, some regression, especially in the power numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of buy that as well. Uh, that being said, I mean, second and third base eligibility is always nice to be able to move a guy from, you know, the CI to the MI, uh, position and it's not third on a strong lineup too, hitting Mm -hmm. third. Yeah. And so like, I, I don't, I don't mind this price at all. I, I don't have him on a lot of teams, uh, and he's definitely not necessarily a target for me, but you know, in some of these drafts where Escobar falls, you know, closer to his max pick, that's when I start going, okay. Yeah, you know, I mean, if he's falling outside top 150, I think he's a steal. Escobar or McMahon, who also has second, third eligibility? Oh, my heart says McMahon and my brain says Escobar. Damn near verbatim took the words out of my mouth, man. That's exactly, (laughs) I would want to jump on the McMahon train, Colorado, a guy I've been invested in. But my brain says, don't do that, dude. Go for the guy who already is doing it mm-hmm. and has been doing it. He's and a has a hitter. role for sure. Like Has we, a guaranteed yeah. role, upper half of the lineup, et cetera, et cetera. I'm with you. Uh, and so hopefully my brain will win out and take Escobar. But, um, yeah, I think he's just a casualty of pitching moving up paired with the fact that like what you're saying, people are saying 35-118 last year. He's coming way down. He'll, I think he'll come down, again, relative to 60 games. 
But I don't think he's going to fall apart either. And I like him in that lineup there. So keep an eye on Escobar. He, there's definitely a price there where you got to jump and take a second, third eligible guy like that. Uh, next up, Yasmani Grandal. This one surprises me because I would have thought maybe, maybe I'm just uh, input putting something that doesn't need to be out there. But I would think people putting up scarcity like saves. I I, I will thought maybe clo- uh, catchers would jump up a little bit too if people are trying to secure the more uh, rare commodities. But Grandal taking a big hit since since March, down 23 spots, so uh, around and a half to 116. And he went even later in the two mains, down to 129. Is there something with Grandal that I'm missing, or is he just another casualty of, I, of the uh, pitching being moved up? I think he's another casualty. I mean, I think you can also make the argument because the way their lineup is loaded that he won't be one of those guys that gets a ton of DH work on his days off. True. You know, he might just take true days off. You're right. And because of Edwin and Abreu, right? Mm-hmm. Who are you going to bench? Exactly. And so, uh, I mean, he'll, you know, he'll give Edwin a day off or Abreu a day off, something like that. Uh, but. You know, in this short sprint where there's so many games in a row, you're not going to have him catching five, six days a week necessarily. Uh, and what happens to those other, you know, one to two games? Um, so I think that may be a little bit of the rationale. I'm still fine taking him where he's going, but I don't know that I'm going to end up actually doing it. So I just, I think there's just too much. Uh, too much other talent going around him that I think I feel more comfortable about. Yeah, you know, he was somebody that, I, uh, Grandal was somebody that I was pretty excited about coming into the year. I have not lost the excitement completely, but I will say that, that Mitch Garver is going right around him, and I think I'd rather just take Garver. Uh, no, see, I'd still rather have Grandal, but the, the problem isn't the guys at his position, it's it's the guys at other positions. I mean, he's going right around Lance Lynn. He's going right around Oscar mm-hmm. Mercado. He's going right Gallon. around Kyle Schwarber. Gallo. Yeah, it just, like, I'm really of the mind if I don't get Real Muto, I'm very much likely just waiting a long time for a catcher. You're going to get Kiner Falefa, aren't you? <laughs> you can't, well, you right. can't wait to get Kiner You know, Falefa. or like, you know, Dan- Danny Jansen or... I- the, the, like, Will Smith, or I the mean, rise of the C twos last year, really opened up some guys that uh, y- you don't have to overdraft catcher to be to to make sure that you have something. Uh, again, I I like to have a, a primary catcher who's like really strong in that Real Muto Sanchez Garver Grandal range, but I'm not going to force it either. And if it doesn't work out, then I will work more in that middle and maybe even the back end of it. Uh, so we'll see how that goes at catcher. Our last guy here that we're going to talk about is Jorge Soler, minus 21 spots to 105 in the OCs. And then uh, he was still, um, hang on, I just had him in the mains. He was 95 in the mains, going 87 and 102. Now, this guy we talked about, and we're kind of gobsmacked that he's not higher. Uh, the general principle of, of guys being, you know, a bit overdrafted after an insane breakout season, especially when he was somebody with hype. Remember, we were waiting on the Solaire breakout for several years. He plays 162. He leads the AL in homers at 48, hits a respectable 265 to go with it. Bunch of runs, bunch of ribbies. Not necessarily in the top 100, guaranteed. He's right around there in the mains and just outside of it in the OCs. What's up with Jorge Soler? 
I, I think he's just getting pushed down because of the pitchers. I think this is a kind of a direct response to that. And, I mean, there are some people who believe that, you know, you can get power bats later on. Um, and True. they're not... And you can, but I mean... Yeah, they're not necessarily wrong with that, but they all come with, you know, question marks that I don't think necessarily come with Solaire. Um, you know, and... I, I understand the argument against Solaire. You know, he only did this for one season. Um, you know, why not just take, you know, Chris Davis later on and, and get the same kind of, you know, potential production? Yeah, yeah. But I'll push back on the first part, one season. He was breaking out in 2018 before mm-hmm. the health hit. Yeah, well, but the health is a question mark. So That's, that, that's fair. That's that's a fair re- counter right back. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. That um, being said, I mean, I, I, I love him. You know, he's going to play, you know, he's going to be the DH. Uh, and that, you know, should help keep him, you know, protected and healthy like it did last year. So mm-hmm. I I think, you know, I'll, I'll definitely be targeting him in, in, you know, some drafts coming up. And, you know, even though nobody's going to sit here and pretend that KC is a good lineup, um, he's hitting third with Merrifield and Mondesi ahead of him and Dozier right behind him. So I think he's kind of protected in that little quartet there at the top of their lineup, which is pretty decent. It may not be a good lineup, but he still had 95 runs scored and 117 runs batted in last year. Like, And that was without Sal Perez, who's, who's yeah. a good player. Back. So, like, I mean, it, just because it's not a good lineup doesn't mean he can't contribute. I mean, this is a guy that could easily hit 20 home runs in this short sprint. Absolutely, absolutely. So we do like Soler. Um, and we could see ourselves taking that discount from where he's dropped around plus uh, since March. So that's just a handful of guys. And then, of course, the saves thing that I wanted to talk about. You and I will have drafted mains by the time we talk again. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Exciting. And that's what Tuesday's episode will be focused on, both of our drafts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely look forward to that. Good luck this weekend prepping everything. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and get out of here. And I hope you have a great weekend. Take it easy. Peace.